just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your day is going well. We have another one of those special podcasts where we get a listener to show up on the show with me. And 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 today we have TJ in Pennsylvania. Uh, the thing that struck me about TJ, some of the uh, some of the DMs he sent me and such were were uh, laced with swear words, and he seemed to have a lot of passion. And I'm thinking that's my fucking kind of guy because. Uh, He's one of the few guys that talk like me. So I thought, this has got to be fucking entertaining. Welcome, TJ. Good morning, Mike. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I, I always enjoy it when we have, have listeners. We just had Kevin on. Of course, we have Ed on from time to time. Now, TJ, you're, you're uh, kind of in the same age range that Kevin is. I asked him, too, and he's about in the 44-year-old age range, which doesn't make you a boomer. So how is it that you happened upon a podcast or a TikTok that's uh, being handled by a boomer when you could almost be my kid? Well, here's the thing, Mike. I, I, I like to, uh, you know, peruse through TikTok and, you know, um, the For You page comes up and I saw your TikToks and I'm like, you know what, this fucking guy, I'm like... Everything that he says almost, you know, I agree with what he's saying and I like the way that he presents it. So through the TikTok, I, I learned about your podcast and I started listening to your podcast. I'm like, this is, this is fucking great. This guy like really <laughs> says what I'm thinking. You know what I mean? And even though we're a little generational difference, I said, yeah. but I, I agree. I mean, incredible. Well, I'm on the young so end that's of the how book. I found out about it. I'm on the young end of the boomer age. I was born in 60, so six it, boomers go to 64. So I'm almost in that Gen X range, too. So I'm kind of on the cusp. Maybe that's why I'm a little different than some of the older boomers. Uh, uh, but, but no, I appreciate it. We've got a lot of younger people. I, I've even had people in their 20s on the show, and, and it's, it's good to hear. I mean, <laughs> as much as I get a lot of adulation from folks like you, and I appreciate it immensely, if you were to talk to my my family, and and, and we get on a topic of politi- politics, the the common response from my family was, "Oh, here we fucking go. I gotta listen to this shit again." You know, none of my family listens to the podcast or TikToks. I got one grandniece who's thirteen years old, and 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 every time I see her, she goes, "Do you know how many followers you have on TikTok?" I go, "Yeah, I kind of do." You don't do anything. You don't dance. You don't sing. You, you know, you're not, you're not movie star handsome. You know, what the fuck is going on? And, uh, you know, my whole point of doing it was I'm just going to do it, see what happens. And fortunately it worked out and the TikTok was a means to an end to get to the podcast. This is what I really want to do because this is what my background is. So when I get a chance, like somebody like you to come on and, and talk about it, I appreciate it immensely. What what's 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 yeah, the what's what's the climate in in Pennsylvania now? You got some shit going on in politics there. Oh, it's crazy. You know, as we all know, Pennsylvania is a, is a swing state. 
Um, and I'll, I'll just lay out the demographics of Pennsylvania a little bit so you can get a feel for how that is. Western Pennsylvania, like Pittsburgh, and then there's uh, up north in Pennsylvania, there's a county, Erie County. Um, and then that all western part of the state is, you know, typically it's a blue, you know, around Pittsburgh and around that northern area, it, it's a blue area. Um, sometimes that northern area, like in the 2016 election, that flipped for Trump. That was very strange and incredible, but it can flip once in a while in the northern, northwestern part of the state. And then you got the central part of the state, which is pretty, it's a pretty rural area minus Harrisburg, the capital. And that typically tends to be very red. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot of voters in that central part of the state. And then you head out east into Philadelphia and the greater Philadelphia region. And that tends to be a very powerful, powerful blue demographic. So, um, Getting into the into the things with the midterm elections here, there there is some crazy stuff going on. Um, the governor's race is is has been um, the the campaign has been pretty uh, insane. Uh, we got Doug Mastriano running against the Democrat Josh Shapiro. He's the Attorney General. Uh, Mastriano, I'll just I'll say this: I've met the guy. He doesn't impress me. All the legislators that I interact with regularly say he's a total wacko. He's a Trumplefuck. He's a white supremacist and an insurrectionist. Although he he was at the insurrection, he claims he left before the shit went down. But of course, we know that's a fucking lie. Well, so did Roger but, Stone. Uh, what I Roger can say Stone is Doug said Mas- the same thing. <laughs> true, true. So Doug, all I can say is Doug Mastriano is he's fucking dangerous. And and if he becomes governor, it's going to be disastrous for our state. He promises to pass right to work, and I, I heard Ed say this yesterday: right to work law. Um, and for, you know, those of you who don't know what that means, uh, right to work law is, it's a law that, pro- that prohibits union security agreements between unions and employers. So what that does is it effectively weakens unions and inevitably lo- lowers wages and benefits for workers. Well, so isn't, this isn't will lead Pen- to the destruction of our, go ahead. Isn't, isn't Pennsylvania kind of a heavy union state? It is. It is. Well, it is in the, in the West and the East. It's okay. not so much in the, I mean, there's there's some strength in the middle, but in Philadelphia for sure, in Pittsburgh for sure, you know. But in the middle, a little not in the middle, not so much. Maybe a little. It's not as strong in the middle. But yeah, it is. It is a heavy union state, and so you know, this has come up in the past. This right to work, and we fought. We fought this pretty hard, you know, from a you know the labor standpoint, and they have, they've never got it off the finish line. But Mastriano, he says, if that hits his desk, there's no question he's going to sign it. Right. So, you know, and, and let's look at right to work in general. Right to work, I mean, they pay lower rates than their non-right to work counterpart states. And most right to work states are red states. I mean, right. with the exception of like Arizona, which is kind of a swing state. But they're, they're, they're all red states. And, you know, you know, what's funny about the whole thing, Mike, is that it's funny how the Republicans come up with, these cutesy fucking names for rotten policies, like right to work. It sounds good, right? But it's rotten for workers. Right. And then right. Citizens United, you know, corporations are people. That 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 Citizens United was probably the most damaging thing that ever happened to this country. No question. Destroyed no our, our political system. Without question, it did. And it's funny because they, they tie these cutesy names to these things that are rotten and the dummies – Keep going out and voting against their best interests. The Trumplefucks and all of them, 
I, I just, it's unbelievable. It, it unbelievable. is. It is but unbelievable. I, well, let I'm me ask, let me ask you about Mastriani. Um, do you think in, in Pennsylvania that Mastriani has even a chance to win the governor's uh, position? Well, in, in my, at, at, at this juncture right now, I don't think so. Um, he just had a rally at the state Capitol um, a few days back and only 60 people turned out for his rally. Yeah. And the GOP, the GOP, they're backing way off of them. They're not, they're not funding them. I think they know that they're beating the dead horse here. Well, and, I, I heard one Republican, I don't know if it was from the RNC or whatever. They said, yeah, we're not sending any money. We're not about uh, funding a, a losing ship, a sinking ship. And so I think they've pretty much all but given up on Mastriano. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that, you know, but you, you never can tell with the election turnout and how close races are in Pennsylvania. But honestly, I, I don't think that I don't think he can beat Josh Shapiro. And and here's here's the really dangerous thing about if Mastriano became governor is that Pennsylvania is kind of different or unique in the sense that our secretary of state is not elected. The governor appoints the secretary of state. So okay. the secretary of state obviously is in charge of the election. So potentially if you got, you know, an election denier as a governor, that could influence the outcome of election if he didn't like the results. That's Absolutely. very dangerous. Well, it's particularly so, uh, dangerous because because Pennsylvania is so important to the presidential race and the uh, electoral college. So you're right. This this governor's race, a lot of people around the country are saying, "Why do I worry about that?" But it is a big concern for everybody. Sure, absolutely. And here's the thing, Josh Shapiro. I mean, from what I've seen in my lifetime, Josh Josh Shapiro is the best attorney general the state's ever had. I I know him well. He's a stand up guy. Uh, during his time as attorney general, he's accomplished a lot of stuff. He's exposed the cover-ups of the predators in the Catholic Church. He's locked up over 6,500 drug dealers. He's got millions of doses of heroin and fentanyl off the street. And one of my favorite things that he did is, as attorney general, he prosecuted the largest employer wage theft in the history of Pennsylvania. Really? $21 million of, st- of stolen wages were put back in the pockets of exploited workers and if that doesn't show that he's for the working stiff, I don't know what the fuck does. This yeah. guy, he's incredible. Well, you you have another really you have another race uh, going on in, in Pennsylvania that's getting a lot of notice, and that, of course, is the the Senate race now. Um, and it's it's between Doctor Oz and uh, Fetterman. Now, who 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 st- who re- resigned or retired from that Senate seat in Pennsylvania? Who was that? Um, God, I can't remember. But it was a Republican, right? Yes. It was a Republican. So now if Fetterman can beat Oz, then it flips that Senate seat to Democrat, which is something we want. Um, now, Dr. Right. Oz, we keep hearing Dr. Oz isn't even from Pennsylvania. He moved in with his mother-in-law or some shit. He's from New Jersey. Do the people of Pennsylvania get that? I mean, we're all going, this is obvious. He's a He's a carpetbagger. He's a piece of shit. But do you get the feeling that people in Pennsylvania realize that? Yeah. Oh, they're they're aware of it, and, and it's and it's hilarious too because the folks from New Jersey are attacking him for it. It's it's yeah. crazy. Like some of the celebrities are going after him, like Snooky and Steve Van Zandt, <laughs> and I love that, you know. But yeah. you know, let's face it. He's a 
He's a grifter. He's a grifter like Steve Bannon and Donald Shitstein. You know, Oz's net worth is something like $100 million. Do we really need to send an out-of-touch rich asshole into the Senate? I mean, he's, all, he's totally out of touch with reality. And, and, and Fetterman's been beating him up on it because he proved it. But even further, I, I have some questions here. I mean, the Republicans try to spread this new lie, you know, about, hey, we're inclusive and we believe in, in diversity. If that's so true, then why aren't they bugling from the mountaintops that Dr. Oz is a Muslim who was born in Turkey and he's a dual citizen? Like, they're not going out and exposing that. And you know, you know what the conclusion is to it is that they don't want to promote to their bigoted, xenophonic, Trumpla fuck base. That's not, it's not going to work in their favor. That's not going to work. Right. So it's, it's crazy. <laughs> Well, the Republicans have no integrity. They don't, you know, they, they have certain beliefs, but they'll, they'll go the opposite of what they claim their beliefs to be. If it is beneficial to them, if it enriches the Republican party, they're very, they're very mercenary in, on how they do things. Truth and righteousness have no place in the Republican party. And that's a sad thing. That is sad. It's and it's going to ultimately ultimately lead to their downfall. And here's the thing: Oz Oz wants to attack Fetterman, you know, for wearing a hoodie and having tattoos. Well, you know what, Mike? I wear hoodies sometimes, and I have more tattoos than Fetterman does. So fuck Doctor Oz. Like he <laughs> doesn't relate to me in any fucking way. And well, it's, and it's just because it's just because John is a regular guy. Anyone can walk up to. To him on the street and have a conversation with him. I have on many occasions I've talked to him and he's just a regular guy and I, and I kind of have a funny story like he's always wearing shorts or a hoodie or whatever and I, I kind of have a funny story about that. Uh, I, go to, I go to a convention at the Capitol every summer and uh, at this convention they have you know some speakers and usually they're politicians and the one the, the one year last the last one we had here uh, he uh he was one of the speakers at the convention and he shows up and he's wearing a shirt, you know, a nice shirt and a jacket, you know, he's dressed up and he gets up on the dais and and this is comical. He gets up on the dais and he says, listen, I'd like to apologize for my, my looks today. He said, they told me on the Senate floor that I can't come in there anymore unless I wear a shirt and a jacket. And (laughs) everyone in the crowd started laughing because they know, they know him, you know, they know how he is. And it just bugs them that, that they did that to him. You know? So he had to bring it up. Well, I'm all for anybody who tries to break the norm and shove it in the face of the man. I, I always appreciate that. I, you know, I said in a previous podcast, I think, I think at this time, Fetterman might be the perfect candidate. And here's why, you know, when, when Donald Trump ran against uh, Hillary Clinton over and above being helped by the meddling from Russia. I think people got, and this is something Democrats and Republicans should both recognize. I think people had gotten really sick and really tired of establishment politicians. They got tired of being treated the way they were, the average politician. So Donald Trump comes up. He seems to be the polar opposite of the politicians. So they say, yeah, let's give that a try because we need somebody different. And of course, <laughs> everybody was horribly <laughs> disappointed because it was the wrong choice. But I, I think I think Fetterman falls in between there. You know, he's not the typical establishment politician. Fortunately, he's not a 
crazy fuck like Donald Trump, but he is kind of that regular guy. And I think people um, relate to a regular guy better nowadays. I mean, there was a time when you wanted the guy in the suit and the top hat and he was above everything. I think people are getting tired of that. And I think somebody like Fetterman might be starting a trend in the future in politics, especially with millennials and Gen Z's coming in. They're a more casual crowd. Absolutely. I I, I 100% agree with that. And you're absolutely right. The only reason why Donald Trump won in 2016 is because of what you just laid out. They didn't want, a, a, you know, another career politician. They thought he was going to do, you know, he's not a politician. It's going to be so much different. But, you know, we found out, of course, that that was not the case. He was a disaster for our country, almost destroyed democracy in our country. But, you know, you're absolutely right. Fetterman does give off that aura. And, and the younger generation, Gen Z particularly, they're going to they're going to relate to that. And, and he's, he's going to relate more to their issues. Like Fetterman is, is a proponent of legal legalizing, you know, recreational marijuana, Pennsylvania. And, hey, I, I'm not against that. You know, I, I agree with them. I, I think we should do that. And, you know, we tax it and we can fund, fund our public education system that we need to fund. I mean, that's 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 a great thing to do, if you ask me. So yeah, absolutely. I think that he, yeah, he's in line with, with what, you know, the younger generation wants to. And it's you're right. It's, I think it's going to be he's going to be a trendsetter for sure. I think he will. I think he will. And I think he'll stand out. You know, the whole thing with the marijuana thing. I grew up in the 70s. You know, one time I was watching my kids when they were in high school and they were sneaking, talking about marijuana and they were making some comments. And then I said, you you mean this or that or the other thing? And they look at me and go, what do you know about it? I don't know about it. We fucking invented this shit in the 60s and 70s. Don't <laughs> don't fucking tell me what I don't know. But I, I was never one that was a big fan of marijuana. I didn't like the feeling it gave me. I, I preferred beer at the time. Uh, but I think it should absolutely be legalized. I know people right now that deal with anxiety in my own family that take this Delta 9 stuff or whatever. And it's fucking life-changing for them. I mean, it literally changed their lives, their whole perception of life in general. So there's a lot of good to come out of it. And if we can get some good out of it, you know, if we're going to keep alcohol and cigarettes legal, why not marijuana? It, it It's no more dangerous. In fact, probably less dangerous than either, either one of those two things. Right. And, and everyone that you know and your friends and your family, everybody knows a person who benefits from that. You know, whether it's anxiety or pain or cancer, you know, everybody knows it. You know, I like I'm just like you. I never had an affinity for that. Beer was more my thing as well. But um, but for people that it helps or people that recreationally want to enjoy it should be legal. I mean, and, and really, our state could benefit from the tax money from that. I mean, we really could. So, like, I'm right in line with you there. And you can keep it safer, too. One of the reasons I don't like like marijuana was it was in the mid-70s. I was in a car with a bunch of buddies of mine. Somebody had a joint. We smoked. And I didn't really like it. But that really fucked me up because back in the day, there was a period of time where some of that marijuana was laced with PCP or angel dust or whatever the fuck they called it. And I didn't have much of it, but I had a little of it. And that scared the fuck out of me. And I said, I'm not doing this anymore. Oh, I, I, I bet. And here's the thing that's that's terrible, is that it's way more dangerous today with, with the illegal drug trade because of the fentanyl. 
the fentanyl is killing so many people and you just don't know until it's too late. So, you know, having it, you know, regulated and manufactured so that there's some kind of control on that, it's going to save lives in reality. Well, absolutely. I just saw something on the news uh, here in Minnesota. Uh, The police made an arrest and confiscated like 800,000 tablets of fentanyl, maybe the biggest grab in a single arrest, certainly in Minnesota. And that's frightening how, how this is there. I mean, you know, when we talk about Minnesota and fentanyl, fentanyl is basically what killed Prince. And, and it's killing a lot of people. Um, Ed suggested to me to watch uh, a show called Dope Sick. It's about the whole uh, Oxycontin thing. There yeah. are people make a lot of money off these drugs, and they don't give a fuck if people die. That's right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, well, I don't have to expound much on the idea that the pharmaceutical industry is one of the most corrupt industries in this country. I mean, let's face it. Absolutely. We, we, we pay 10 times the cost of the drugs that they do in India or Canada. I mean, it's, it's absolutely outrageous that this can't be regulated. But, again, we have things like Citizens United and lobbyists that go out there for these drug companies and they keep these politicians in their pockets. It's absolutely fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's how everything is. I've said that about the medical business. Uh, we don't need to uh, get better health care. We just need better prices on health care. And what we need to do is reform the medical industry, the pharmaceutical industry, and the fucking insurance industry, because all of them are getting their taste and they're taking a big taste and it's coming out of our asses. Right. Well, we could have done that, but the, the Republicans don't want any part of it, of course. So, what's your, what's your, what's your, what's your gut reaction? You know, what's your gut reaction on, on the, my midterms? Gut reaction to- the midterms? What do you think is going to happen? My, my gut reaction at this point, it's gonna be it's gonna be a democratic uh, victory. That's my gut reaction right now. And and all these you know the people I know you know some of my Republican Trump LaFleur fans or friends and and they're saying oh it's gonna be a red wave it's gonna be a red wave and, I, and I'm thinking to myself are you not fucking paying attention you know like all these all these uh, Trump endorsed candidates. Like a Trump endorsement is the fucking kiss of death, if you ask me. It I is. Mean, look, at, look at this. Like that Tudor, that fucking Tudor Dixon up there in uh, Michigan, she's trailing by 16 points to Governor Whitmer. 16 points. That's that's a pretty good margin. I mean, that, and, you know, it, it looks like Tim Ryan's going to annihilate J.D. Vance in Ohio. I mean, it's just, it's the kiss of death. And, and all these. All these fucking Trumple fucks think that there's going to be a big red wave. I don't think that's going to happen. I, I, my prediction is they're probably going to pick up two or three seats in the Senate. You know, yeah. we're going to, the Democrats are going to pick it up and we're going to, we're, we're going to get some stuff done here. Well, I get people, the Trumple fucks always saying to me, yeah, it's going to be a red wave. And I say, you base that on what? I mean, in 2020, <laughs> in, in 2020, you lost, they held on to the House, you lost the Senate. And in 2020, you lost the presidency. So what in the two years did you accomplish to gain more votes? Everything that's happened has cost you votes. So how in the world can you think? You turn on the media, though. Oh, that 2022, 
That's going to be a tough one for the Democrats. They don't know fuck all about fuck all. They're just trying to stir shit up to get people excited and upset. And that may work to our benefit. The more scared people are about losing the democracy, we'll get more people out to vote. So I'm all for that. Well, and, and, and that's been their strategy all along. They, they use their talking heads like asshole Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity to push fear and narratives that aren't true. Right. And, and that's what they think is going to give them, you know, these, they listen to Fox News and OAN and all this bullshit and, and they're fed this stuff. And it's actually going to work against them. You know, they, they make all these phony attacks, you know, on Joe Biden and, you know, say all these things that aren't true. And so ultimately that's going to make them feel good about the election. And it may, it may actually affect their voter turnout. Right. Right. Because, exactly. You know, they're going to think, Oh, we got it in the back, you know, Sean right. Hannity, he said, we got it in the bag. I don't have to go out to the polls. You know, well, well this, is, this, this is typical bully strategy though. This is typical bully yeah. strategy. I'm going to come up to you and I'm going to scare the shit out of you. And if I'm lucky and if it goes the way I want it to, you'll curl up in a corner in the fetal position and I'll just run over the top of you. Where the bullies have problems where the guy says, yeah, fuck no, fuck you, and pushes back. Now they don't know what to do. So the only thing they know what to do is bully. So they double down and they think if I bully harder, then he'll curl up in the corner. And then when he still doesn't curl up in the right. corner, these fuckers aren't creative, so they just do it again, and they do it again until they crash and burn. This is this is going to be a mass yeah. self-destruction with these fucks. <laughs> I, I agree. And, and the sucker punch that the bully got was Roe versus Wade. Oh, yeah. People are pissed. People are pissed. Women are pissed. I mean, it, it's it's crazy that they would even attempt that. I mean, that was like, that was a crazy fucking thing to do. It's it's so amazing how like when I talk to the Trump fucks about I have a friend his name is Jim and he's a Trump fuck and he, you know the arguments that they make for these things are crazy like he's he tries to say oh that you know abortion Roe versus Wade is not in the in the Constitution and under the Tenth Amendment it should be left to the states and I, and I go well how do you figure that I said the Tenth Amendment I said not all the rights in the con all the rights that we have are enumerated in the constitution so we're going to throw out 50 years of of case precedents right because it's not in the constitution i said the fair labor standards act isn't in the constitution so should we leave it up to the states to to have child labor laws or the rights of minimum wage or time and a half or have a safe workplace with OSHA. Those are all rights that you have that are not enumerated in the Constitution. So how does that make that make sense to me? And they never fucking can. Well, they can't. And and you know when you look at the Constitution, nowhere in the Constitution does it does it uh, mention uh, semi-automatic weapons or AR-15s. None of that is mentioned. In fact, they misinterpret the Second Amendment and they make it sound the way they want it to sound. But with Roe v. Wade, they always say, well, it's not in the Constitution. But how did that become law? It became law based on right to privacy. Now, what they're so stupid about is if they overturn this and 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 diminish or weaken right to privacy you know what that means their whole complaint about uh national registration for guns is out the window because they use right to <laughs> yeah. privacy to argue that but they're so fucking stupid they won't 
they they can't look beyond the end of the nose. I thought this was a funny story. I did a TikTok about it. I probably talked about it on the podcast too. Marjorie Taylor's getting divorced. Marjorie Taylor Green. Okay. And Marjorie Taylor Green uh, husband filed for divorce after 27 years. Here's the thing. What is fa- fucking wrong with this guy that it took him 27 years to figure out that Marjorie Taylor Green was a crazy bitch? But he, he lived with her for 27 years. And what do they do when they file this, uh, file this, uh, divorce? They go, you know, we'd like to keep our privacy. We'd like to keep this to ourselves. Please respect our privacy. But this is the same bitch that wants to overturn Roe v. Wade, which ultimately overturns right to privacy. She 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 doesn't like privacy of women and her health care needs, but her fucked up little marriage needs privacy. Well, that's the that's the hypocrisy of these Trump will fuck people. I mean, it's it's never ending. And you said her name wrong. It's pro magnum and Taylor Green. Like, do you blame, do you blame Perry for wanting a divorce her? I mean, if I was married to the Geico caveman, I'd probably want to get the fuck out of there too. Yeah. I mean, she needs to, she needs to lay off the steroids or whatever she's doing because she's a fucking crazy person. Well, I mean, you know that- and you're right. You're absolutely right. She scre- she wants to bugle from the mountains about, oh, you know, we got to overturn this and this and that, and but I need to have my privacy. No, I mean. It's one or the other. Which is it going to be? Well, here's the thing I find interesting and hard to understand. Uh, during this time, prior to this announcement of the divorce, it's well known that she uh, cheated on her husband twice, which I find amazing that she was able to find two people in a short period of time willing to have sex with her. <laughs> she could walk through a fucking market <laughs> bar and not get a fucking date. Well, here, here's you're absolutely right, but here's the bigger here's the bigger question. Now that this is going down the way it is, and she's and he's divorcing her, what's going to be her fucking platform to run again? She's not going to have one. Can she run on family values? Fuck no, she can't run on family values. And she's been exposed for who she really is. So what's her platform? You know, space lasers. Is that going to be her political platform for the next you know the next election? I mean, it's it. She's. She's going to be hopefully taken out by all this stuff. I hope. Well, Marcus Flowers is running against her. He's a very viable candidate. He's a former, uh, he's a veteran. Yeah. He's a smart, he's an intelligent guy. It is Georgia. Uh, he happens to be black. I don't know if that works for him or against him, but he's a pretty sharp guy. And if anybody can beat him, beat her, it will be him. Um, but, but the, but the thing about it is with her, she hasn't done anything anyway. I mean, she's not been involved in anything that's productive for the Republican party. I mean, it'd be impossible for her to be involved in anything productive because the Republican party for the last six to 10 years has done jack shit for this country, except give money to the rich people. That's all they've ever fucking done. So. I'm hoping she wins, but you know, when you're talking about a small pocket of Georgia, you can get a lot of Trumplefucks in a small pocket. So she could conceivably win. However, that doesn't mean she's going to stay. Yes. Yes. Because when this insurrection right. shit yeah, starts coming right. out, she's probably involved in that. And she may just end up being expelled anyway. Right. And and that's that's what's scary about the district that she's in is that it's so heavy red. I mean, that, you know, 
Marcus has a shot because she's so crazy, but it's a really, really red district. So, you know, who knows? I mean, it, 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 it's hard to say. I mean, the guy seems super likable, you know, yeah. um, you know, with that demographic of the district, you know, his race, I don't know if that's going to work in his favor or not. I mean, because we know that the Trump Fox, a lot of them are racists, you know? Right. Right. So, you know, and there's, there's just some people that no matter what, you're, they're never going to vote for a Democrat, no matter how good they are. No. So well, yeah. it's, it, it's it's really hard to say, you know, but you're right with, with the insurrection, you know, there's a lot of people that are sweating bullets right now, you know, over over the hearings and all this stuff's going to come out and they may not be fit for office when it does. Exactly. And, you know, the, the, the hearing was, was postponed, but it's going to be coming up pretty quick. And uh, people always keep saying, well, it's the last one. We don't know it's the last one. I don't think it's the last one. I think it will, there'll at least be another one in, uh, in October leading up to the, the, the midterms. But in this next, in this next hearing, it sounds like they're going to start exposing some names. Ginny Thomas is going to figure prominently in it. And that's why she said, Oh, okay. I'll testify. Um, uh, Roger Stone is going to figure into it because they've got video from the documentary of him basically saying exactly what's going to happen months before it fucking happened. So that adds to conspiracy. And then. Uh, they're, they're going to be talking about the funding and uh, planning and all this, and they're going to have to at some point, and I know it's their plan, to expose the sitting members of Congress that were involved, the Paul Gozars, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, Lauren Boebert, Matt Gates. These fucks think they've got to be feeling the pressure now because they know their text messages are in the hands not only of the J6 committee, but the DOJ. The J six committee is the least of their problems at this point. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that it's definitely the least of their problems because they know what's coming down the line. You know, um, they're going to be exposed by the January sixth committee, but the, the DOJ is going to hold them accountable. Have they broken the law? Which I, I imagine that they have. And you know, a lot of them have other problems as it is. Is like Jenny Thomas. You know, there, there's some stuff going on with ethics on her. Uh, getting paid from the heritage foundation. She didn't turn that in or Clarence Thomas didn't turn that in on it, on his ethics form. And he has to do that because she benefited from, you know, an organization and, you know, that he's a Supreme court justice. So there, there's a lot of other stuff hanging in the wind on all these individuals. You know, Matt Gates, obviously we know with him, you know, I was a little infuriated on Friday about, you know, about Joel Greenberg, you know, not being a reliable witness. I mean, this is bullshit. If they, if they cut Greenberg a deal, I mean, th- that's kind of bullshit in my eyes that he, now he's no longer a reliable witness. Yeah. I mean, yeah, come that, on. Yeah. You don't, can, if he's not a reliable witness, then they should uh, retract his deal. You yes, gave, absolutely. You gave him something of value for something of value in return. And if you don't get something of value in return, he goes back to jail for a hundred years. That that's the way it should be. Uh, but you know, we kept hearing this. Well, we're not thinking about going after uh, Matt Gates because the witness is is unreliable. But once you know what Joel Greenberg told you, there's a lot of other people that are witnesses. You know, they're the women that were fucking involved. I'm not convinced he's out of the woods yet. I mean, that may be just something leaked out for whatever 
misinformation. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but there's no way they can let this guy go. They're going to look like fools if they do. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt about that. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out for all these people that get exposed. I mean, it, it, and it's <laughs> it's going to be the Republicans' worst nightmare. They're not going to – it's going to be so bad, they're going to have problems in elections for a decade. That's, oh, my, that's my feel on it. I agree. Uh, you know, everybody's talking about, is Donald Trump going to run in 2024? Who's going to run? Is it DeSantis? Who's going to do it? I don't think the Democrats have to worry about 2024 because the Republicans will be so destroyed by that point. It doesn't matter who they put up. And if they do put somebody up right now with the likes of uh, Liz Cheney and Kinzinger on one side and the nuts on the other side, the Republican Party is so split, they aren't going to have any power anyway. Absolutely not. And and it's it's. it's unreasonable to think, and, and I know that the, the Trump Lafox deny this, but it's unreasonable to think that Donald Trump will even run in 2024. Oh, he won't. You know? no. He's still going to he's going to run the grift out to the very last minute, you know, and, and he's obviously doing it on purpose so he can take all these people's money that he grifts and rips off and stick it right in his pocket. He's never going to run and he may not be able to run depending on what happens, you know, with the indictments. Because yeah. they're coming down. He can he can fucking try to delay the inevitable, you know, with all this bullshit and his lawyers and the convoluted fucking shit that he's trying all the time. He can try to delay the inevitable, but the fact of the matter is he broke the law. He could have probably overended this early, but he's too fucking stupid. If he would have turned over the stuff to the National Archives, he could, he could have probably maybe slipped past this and nothing right. would have happened. Well, you know, he they he, asked them and they asked them. He lied. Yeah, he just flat out lied. But yeah. they could they could indict him for something as simple as the Presidential Records Act, meaning he took these things out of the place. Doesn't matter what they say on him. The fact that he took them is against the law. And granted, the the jail term maximum is a year. The fine is a hundred thousand dollars. But the kicker there is on that particular crime he is uh, restricted from ever running for office again. They just have to get him an indictment on that, and he's fucking done. Yeah, that or any other felony. I mean, that's that's pretty much it. He'll he'll be restricted from running for president again. Absolutely. So, I mean, that that's that's where it's headed. And he his his attorneys they can try to you know use Judge Cannon to try to fuck with you know Judge uh, Deary, but it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And, and the one lawyer that he had that that was reputable or made any sense, he sidelined the guy. Yeah, yeah. So Why, he put what, his, you know, loser parking garage lawyer, right. you know, or, or whatever, these dumb fucks. And so, and you know, these people are not going to, you know, they're not going to want to end up like Michael Cohen. I mean, they're 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 they want to want to preserve their way of life and their their way to make you know, earn a living, they're not going to lose their law licenses over Donald fucking Trump because he's not going to pay him anyway. He's right. a shit state. You know, Donald Trump has committed so many atrocities. It's, it's unbelievable. He's put in, in New York City and New Jersey, he's put dozens of contractors out of business that under his construction projects. And, and those were good paying union jobs. A lot of them, he put these companies out of business. So he put the little guy out on the street. I mean, right. it's unbelievable what a piece of shit Donald Trump is. 
Let me ask you this. Uh, uh, he hired this high-powered attorney, the one attorney that had some credibility, paid him $3 million up front because the attorney was smart enough to know he's not going to get paid if he didn't get paid up front. He was going to handle these the top-secret documents and stuff. And as you just said, he sidelined him. Why do you think he did that? I, here's, here's my take on that. My take on that is Trump sidelined him because he, he wouldn't bend down and do whatever Donald Trump said. He wanted to do what legally made sense right donald trump doesn't fucking want to do that he wants he wants to tell his attorneys what to do but he's so stupid that he can't figure out that the attorney is the one who's going to save him you can't just tell the attorney what to say in court and think that you're just going to win because you believe that that's not how the law works or the court system works i mean he's he's that delusional that he thinks he can do that and the lawyers are just going to do it and this guy probably told him, hey, I'm not I'm not doing that. I'm not risking my law license over your, you know, conspiracy theory or whatever else bullshit that, you know, lies and uh, planted evidence, whatever you want to put out there. I, I'm not I'm not going to risk myself over that. And that's probably why they sideline them. Yeah, I, I, I look at what. Yeah, I agree with you 100 percent. Donald Trump pushed him to try to do something. The guy just couldn't see his way to legally do and he, he wasn't going to risk his law license i agree with you 100 percent. it's kind of akin to me taking my car in to a mechanic and needing a new transmission having a guy start on the transmission and then me say look man get the fuck out of the way i'll show you how to do this and i didn't know nothing <laughs> about transmissions or cars but that's donald trump that's his ego and 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 uh you know, if this lawyer is going to do anything, he's going to have to make look Donald Trump look bad. I mean, these crimes are so egregious and so blatant. He, he he can't he can't try to make Donald Trump look innocent because he's not. All he can try to do is get him the best deal out of being guilty. And Donald Trump's not comfortable with that. I want you to make no. me innocent, and he can't. He can't make him innocent. Right. And that, that's a really funny analogy with the transmission. I like that, you know, because I've been in situations, you know, I've been I've been a plumber for almost 25 years, you know, and I've been in a couple situations that were like that. So I can I can kind of relate. But, you know, me being a plumber for so many years, I've I've seen a lot of shit. And quite honestly, I've never seen a bigger turd than Donald Trump. I mean, right, it's, right. it's the biggest, biggest turd I've ever fucking seen, even being a plumber. So, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, uh... you're absolutely right. He's, he's an idiot. I tell you what, uh, I tell you what, TJ, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. All right. We are back on the Rational Boomer podcast. And you mentioned something, TJ, that I want to bring up briefly. It's kind of out of character here, but you said you were a plumber, correct? That's right. Okay. Um, the reason I bring it up is because we went through this whole thing with the uh, forgiving of student loans for people in colleges and such. And being older now and having occasion to hire electricians and, and, and plumbers, um, I really question, I was talking to somebody the other day, my financial guy, he sent in his kid to college. He put away a, a fund and all the stuff. So he's got all the money. And I looked at the financial guy. I said, you're a financial guy. He said, yeah. I said, you send your kids to school. You spend about anywhere from forty to $100,000 to send them to school. And then they get out and get a job making $35,000 a year. How does that make any fucking financial sense? 
it seems to me that going to college for the average person, unless you're being a doctor or a lawyer or something like that, makes no financial sense. And so when I hear you're a plumber, I know for a fact that if I want to hire a plumber today to fix something in my place, if I can get them there in two months, I'm lucky. So the, the, the trades are really struggling right now with getting people to come in as far as I know. And the fact of the matter is you can get paid pretty well working in the trades, right? But, yeah. I mean, it, it's a little bit of a struggle. There's no doubt about that. I mean, the, um, you know, the, there's like when I went to high school, we'll start there. Okay. I went to high school. The guidance counselors pounded this idea into your head. You got to go to college. You got to go to college. You got to go to college. You know, my guidance counselor said I wouldn't be worth a, a damn thing except for paving roads, you know, and that, that kind of made me mad, you know, that at the time, now right. that I think about it later on in life, I kind of wear that like a badge of honor. You know, right. I went to, I went to college for a short time, you know, and I found out this isn't for me, man. This isn't for me. Like I want to work with my hands. I want to, you know, do something where I, I I'm out working and, and doing something physical. Like I, I can't sit at an office desk and, and, and do this job. You know, it didn't make any sense for me. Right. And you know, that, that narrative about college got pushed by uh, guidance counselors for decades and decades, you know, and, and then they started doing worse things like eliminating the shop classes and, and the, you know, and, you know, getting rid of the wood shop and the she- and the metal shop and, and all these things that might spark the interest of kids to do something other than go to college. Right. So uh, I, you know, I got lucky, you know, just by random, I, I got a job working as a laborer for a plumbing company um, on a whim because I was laid off from another, another job I had for the winter. And um, I, I learned re- very quickly that, you know, there's a benefit to apprenticeship programs. And I ended up getting an apprenticeship with the plumbers union and um, I got, it's a scholar. It was a scholarship program. I, I went through the program and I graduated and I'm, you know, make a living wage, you know, with no student loan debt. And, and it's incredible. And it's like the best kept secret out there. Right. Well, the unfortunate thing is millennials and Gen Z's want to be uh IT technicians, they want to uh, go into uh stock market where they can make a billion dollars or or be YouTube stars. And there aren't as many people who really want to get their hands dirty and do the work that we really need done in this country, which is the trades. Uh, and we can be in big trouble 20 years from now when nobody wants to be in the trades. Yeah, that that's not untrue. That is not untrue. And I, I think that there's a lot of campaigns out there right now. Um, like we we're doing that. Um, and there's an organization it, it's, it's, uh, called NAB North American building trades unions. And those are all the uh, construction trades unions. And, and they have big campaigns to try to recruit people into apprenticeship programs. You know, they, the, the NAB group did a study, um, a few years ago and they, the conclusion of the study was that building trades journeymen, or someone that's graduated from the apprenticeship in any trade, okay? 85% of building trades journeymen earn more than people with a four-year college degree. That's right. what they found out. And and you got to remember, there, there's a lot more to it than you know, going to work and getting a paycheck and maybe getting a, you know, a 401k. Like, 
a lot of these apprenticeships in, in the unions, um, in the union trades, they have pension plans. Yeah. Like if, if you go to if you go to a kid um, in high school and say, "Hey, what's a pension?" They don't even know what that is because no. it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist today. Like there's, no. there's hardly any jobs today that have a pension plan, and that's important. Like you know, a lot of these young people don't think about the future. Like I was smart and I figured on the fact that when I retire, I figured on the idea that social security won't exist. Yeah. I planned on that. Now, will it? I don't know, but I figured on that because I knew that I couldn't rely on that. And like having a 401k is great. Like that's a great investment. It's a great thing to do for retirement. You know, if, if you put in the course of your career, you put $350,000 away in a 401k, that's fantastic. So when you retire at, you know, 60, um, you can get payments out of that 401k. But the problem is this, is that if you are, are retire at 60 and you live to be 90, right. um, you know, that money, I mean, how much money is that really going to be? Yeah. Where pension plans, a defined benefit pension plan would would um, pay you a monthly payment until the day that you die. Yeah. So that's the difference. Well, I can tell you this. Both my wife and I work for the same school district in different kinds of fields, but we both work for the same school district and we both get a pension. And I, I told my sons, I said, that's a fucking game changer. That is an absolute game changer. Um, my son, my oldest son works uh, in city government or something and, and he has a pension and he's 34 years old. I said, I said, dude, don't ever quit that job. Get that fucking pension. You may not think it's ever coming, but 62 or 65 isn't that far away. It comes quicker than you think. And if you have that pension, I mean, we have friends that didn't have pensions but had 401ks, and they're really stressing out about what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, and and how the market's going to be and stuff. My wife was better at thinking ahead than I was, and she invested a lot of money. But that money that's in the investment, a financial guy says, what do you want to do with that? He says, well, we'll just leave it for my kids for an inheritance. So we're not even relying on that money in the 401k to live on. It's just there. Uh, that's part of the reason why I bought, we bought that, that the condo in Savannah. We thought you got to get something out of this and it still keeps the money for the kids when we're gone. But that pension uh, gives you a lot of, a lot of freedom. It does. And if you, you should jump on that shit. Yeah. And, and I, and I try to, that's part of the message I try to get out to the, the younger Gen Z kids. And even, you know, some of the millennials is that, get, you know, college doesn't have to be the end all. There, there are opportunities out there, you know, in, in the trades. And, it, you know, you can make a really good living at it. And there's a lot of opportunity. And, and the best part is it's a, in most cases, you know, as far as the, you know, union construction trades go, it's, it's a scholarship program. So there's no out-of-pocket expense for you. It, it's, yeah. it's, an, it's incredible. It's you know? basically getting a job and then paying for your education so that you grow in that position and are are, yes. are valuable to them later. You know, I, when we were talking to this financial guy, um, my wife was saying, well, I'd like to put money away for my grandkids' college. And I said, well, tell me how that works. And he says, well, you put it in this account. It goes for college. When they're ready, they can take the money out of for college. I said, what if they don't go to college? Well, then you give it to somebody else that's going to college. 
I said, so you're telling me once I put it in this account, I can't use it for anything but college. Once it's in that account, it's locked down. Well, I've got a two and a half year old granddaughter. I don't know what fucking college is going to look like <laughs> 15 years from now. I don't know. You know, because, you know, I have a son, a younger son who is a uh, who is a uh, uh, has a four year degree from a college uh, and it hasn't really done him a lot of good. Uh, he has an interest in computers. My brother works in computers, so he's kind of helping him. What this kid is doing is taking certifications online at home, which is what my brother did. My brother's got a big-time job with a big health agency. He's a director. These kids are going to be taking certifications online that put them in positions for specific jobs. I just don't know that college is a good financial investment at this point, the trades or some specific types of things. Because, you know, when I was going to college, I was college of liberal arts. All that, when I graduate, I didn't graduate, but had I graduated with with a four-year degree, all that would mean is I'm going to live with mom longer because <laughs> I really wasn't qualified for anything. Right, right. Right, I get it. Yeah, it, it, it's it's interesting what's going to happen. I mean, like you just brought up about college. I mean, let's hope that the t- by the time your granddaughter goes to college, you know, college is affordable. You know, you know, I don't know that it's ever going to be free, but hopefully that it can be, you know, affordable and you know, somewhat regulated, so that you know we're not getting ripped off here because that's ultimately what's happening. And and that's what's great, you know, about what you just said about getting certifications and and in apprenticeships because, you know, those are valuable to companies, right? And, you know, the Gen Z generation, you know, of course people are, there's people that are complaining about them, you know, kind of like in the same way that the boomers can complain about us Gen Xers, right. but you know, that Gen Z, I'm telling you right now, and this is my prediction, that Gen Z generation is going to be incredible. They're going to surpass the boomers and everyone. Because these kids are they're tech, they're technologically savvy, they're smart, they're motivated. Like they're, the millennials were a little weird. That generation, like they kind of split off. Like there was millennials who who had real life traction, and then there was millennials who had no life traction, right? And that's where that stereotype came from. Like the millennials are living in their mom's basement. You know what I mean? Right. That's right. where that stereotype came from. So. But this Gen Z generation, I'm, I'm telling you, they're, they're, they're paying attention. They're paying attention. And, and I've kind of noticed, like, I've t- like when we take applications for apprenticeship, I kind of noticed there's an uptick in the really young, you know, they come at 18 or 19 years old. Like, there's more of an uptick. You know, typically we get people in their mid-20s or even their low 30s. Now there's been more of an uptick. And the in the younger, just out of high school kids applying for these apprenticeships. I mean, and we have to keep that trend going. And the best way we can do it is to get that message out there to say, hey, you know, get with the parents and, and get on social media and, and show these kids that they have options. Yeah, you know, I think we're at a turning point in this country with all this upheaval that we have now. It's kind of forcing us in a different direction, I think. 20 years from now, when the Gen Z's are coming of age and such, we are going to see a dramatic shift in this country because uh, these Gen Z's and even millennials to a certain extent, uh, you know, when I was growing up, you got to get married, you got to buy a house. Well, millennials and Gen Z's don't think that. They they don't give a fuck if they buy a house. And a house is a good investment sometimes, and sometimes it's not. Uh, You don't see them getting a lot of credit cards like 
we did when I was young. I mean, getting a credit card was a rite of passage, and you just maxed those motherfuckers out because you <laughs> wanted to live high on the hog. You never thought about, well, I got to pay that shit back. Um, the other thing is, I think there's going to be a different opinion on college. I think in the next 20 years, there's going to be dramatic changes to our health care, to education in general. I think 20 years from now, we're not going to be able to recognize this country, and it's going to be for the better from what we see now. And I think I'm looking forward to that. I'm hoping that's the case. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. And, and and it's definitely going to change, particularly, you know, I know that it, it's, it's kind of a, you know, a little bit of a tough time right now, you know, pretty ferocious on the political spe- spectrum but I, you know it's going to be like that for a while you know till we get past all this you know and, and his, history will play itself out and and what will be proven will be proven um but once this starts to calm down you know everyone's going to see what the truth is yeah. and it'll start moving things in the right direction now obviously there's a, a group of them that there's no changing them. You know, there's no changing. You can lie down every piece of truth in front of them, no matter what. And the, you know, the Trump Fox and some of these far right people, are, there's no convincing them. There's no telling them they're, they're, they're indoctrinated people. And the only solution to correcting them would to, you know, send them to deprogramming because there's, it's not going to change. It's not going to change. You'll never change them, but they're being, you know, they're being, I guess, for lack of a better way of saying it, they're being outgrown. You know, we're, we're, we're growing and they're shrinking. Right. Right. So eventually they're going to be non-existent. Right. Absolutely. You know, you know, one of the things I learned about being 62 years of age, and one of the reasons I, I feel positive about what's going on now as much as it is, is bad is that in my 62 years, I've always had this attitude. I'm especially now, I don't worry about anything. You know, I'm 62 years old. I've gone through the trials, tribulations, tragedies, all this shit. And when those things hit, I was always worried am I going to make it? Am I going to make it? Yet here I sit at 62, very comfortable, doing the things I want to do, and I'm fine. So all that worry I wasted, you know, when I thought the world was coming to an end, was in fact waste of time. And then I look back and I realize, you know, when I've had my worst times in my life, it was a struggle. It was hard, like we're seeing now in this country. But when I came out of it, somehow I was better off than before I went into that crisis. So maybe there needs to be some upheaval like we're seeing now in order to get off on a better track. I'm hoping that's true. And I I really believe that it is. Oh, I agree with you. But but just look at what's happening with with. Amazon and Starbucks. I mean, these these people, young people in particular, they're learning that they're not going to they're they're not going to be abused by these people. You know, they're not going to take this crap anymore, and they're unionizing their workplaces because they they are learning and paying attention that you know there's strength in numbers, and they're figuring that out, and they're they're reading history and talking to older generations and learning about unionism, and I think that's going to change the face of the middle class in this country. I think it's, you know, it's, there's going to be a movement and it's just starting now. That's that people are tired. They're tired of being exploited. They're tired of being abused. They're tired of working three jobs to put food on the table for their children. They're sick of it. 
Right. And there's gonna there's gonna be a movement, and I and it may you know it may not take off super fast, but I think it's in the works here. It's starting now that they're gonna start realizing that we have to stand up for ourselves. Well, I saw an interview uh, with Barack Obama, and everybody you know everybody gets on it with Biden and what's going on now. Why doesn't it just change? Why doesn't it just happen? And Barack Obama made an interesting statement. He says, "There's always change in government and in this country, but it's really slow." One yeah. guy has to get it started. Another person has to help it along. And then it finally makes the change. And I think we're in one of those transitionary periods right now where where things will change and they will be for the better. Um, and people will say, I don't know. It's all going to go to hell. And I, I said, what, what the fuck? You go into everything you do assuming you're going to lose? How does that work for you? It doesn't fucking work. We have to assume better. We've been here for all these years and every bad time we've come out of, you don't remember it because it's too, you're too young, but people will say, we never had a time like this. Oh yeah. How about the sixties? We had four major assassinations, a fucking war. We had all kinds of problems. We had women's rights being fought for civil rights, riots, fucking kids getting killed on college campuses. Sixties was as bad as it is now. And look sure. at the seven, and things got better in the seventies and eighties. It's bound to go back to something better. Absolutely, and and here here's the thing, you know, back in October of 2020, I was with Joe Biden, um, and I spent like an hour with Joe Biden, and I have never seen, and like, even historically in maybe 60 years, I've never seen a president who has been so pro-labor, pro-union. Yeah. I've never, ever seen. And it's incredible how much he talks about it. And and all these truffle-fucks that want to say, oh, Joe Biden has dementia, or dementia, Joe Biden has cognitive dissonance, this and that. I can assure you, from my own personal experience, Joe Biden is as sharp as a razor. Yeah. I, 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 had, a, I had a very productive conversation with Joe Biden and and I, I'm not going to let these Trump fucks get away with smearing him, saying that about him, because he's sure he's sure as fuck smarter than Donald Trump. I mean, yeah. let's face it, Donald, yeah, no. Donald Trump's a fucking idiot. I need to ask you a question though, TJ. Yeah, uh, you're a plumber, right? Yes, sir. And, and and in this conversation, you've talked about certain circumstances where you've met politicians. What 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 are you a fucking plumber to the stars, or what the fuck? <laughs> well, actually, th- there's an explanation to that. Um, I'm actually a labor leader. Um, oh, I, I, okay. I work for the plumbers union. So I, I'm actually a, a labor represent, representative. And of course, you know, there's a lot of politics that go into, um, to uh, labor. So, you know, I, I go to a lot of meetings and a lot of uh, events and things like that, where there's a lot of politicians involved. I and, gotcha. uh, and of course, you know, in 2020, Joe Biden was uh, campaigning and, uh, I just happened to be lucky enough to uh, get the opportunity to have, you know, have him in our uh, facility. So it was a really, uh, really uh, uplifting thing for me. I really enjoyed it. But that that explains it. That's why, you know, I, I, I can see where you can draw that conclusion. You not understand why, you know, I, I talk about, you know, meeting these different politicians. I can I can see where you draw that conclusion. Well, I kind of knew because what we talked about beforehand, but I know the people in the audience going, what the fuck? He talked to Fetterman. 
You talked to Biden? What the <laughs> fuck? Yeah. What were you cleaning out his uh, his trap in his kitchen or what the fuck? <laughs> I, if he asked me, I'd do it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, so you're you're kind of ensconced in the whole whole labor thing, and 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 obviously labor issues are important to you. And you're right, Joe Biden is probably the most uh, labor centric politicians we've seen i mean every time we see a politician it's somebody who's elite that has a fucking boat on the potomac or or huge cars or huge estates like like dr oz it's and 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 if you looked at the list of people in washington dc right now and you looked at their net worth joe biden would probably be the poorest one of the poorest because he's not a fucking crook no absolutely absolutely what it what it uh Bobo the street house. She's worth an astronomical amount, thirty million or something. Is that is that right? Thirty million. Yeah. How does that happen? She's only been in there what fucking two years. Yeah. Tell me that that's not corrupt. Tell me, show me how that's not corrupt. I I can't believe it. Yeah. And, and isn't her restaurant going bankrupt? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what that's what they said. That's. I mean, that's. It's crazy. Make that make sense. It it doesn't. Like they're just. You know, scheming the system. You know, they're doing it for their own benefit, and and they're all guilty of it. Not all of them, but on both sides, they're guilty of it. Let's face it. I mean, they're they're guilty on both sides. There's a bunch of them that are doing. It, you know, you know like, I wanted I wanted to bring something up because I saw this thing on TikTok and it really really hit home with me. It it you know about Donald Trump and claiming the uh, election fraud and all that stuff. And in this in this video, it said, we should have known this was coming. And I'm going, what do they mean by that? And they played a bunch of videos of Donald Trump, like in 2015 or 16, when he was running in Iowa and and uh, um, Ted Cruz beat him in Iowa. What what did what did he say? Oh, it's a hoax. It's a fake. It's a cheat. Somebody, somebody screwed us over. We got to check it. It's the worst thing in ever. And then, and then when his TV show, The Apprentice, was up for an Emmy, but he lost to Survivor. Same thing. It's a hoax. It's corrupt. We were screwed. He's been doing this his whole fucking life. And he's been wrong each and every time. So we should not have been surprised when he pulled this fucking bullshit in 2020. No, no doubt. I mean, you you hit the nail right on the head. He's been scheming people since his existence. I mean, he's been scheming people in construction. He's been scheming people, and I mean, how do you put how do you put two or two or three casinos out of business? How do you do that? You have to be a complete moron. I mean, yeah. the deck is stacked against the gamblers at a casino, but he put them out of business. He's been scheming and lying, you know. And he's and I hope Letitia James rings him up on this, and I think she's gonna. And he, that's going to be the end of the Trump crime family, hopefully forever. Well, hopefully. I, th- I I think the Trump organization is done. I mean, they've got so many things working against them. They've got a lawsuit that may cost them two hundred and fifty million dollars, uh, and in that lawsuit, they're asking that he can he and his his family can no longer be executives in any kind of business in New York City. I mean, granted, he may go down to Florida, but, you know, fuck. After he, after they take all his money, the important thing that, you know, Letitia James's situation is a civil suit. It's about yeah. money and and maybe closing his business. But remember, 
up in the Manhattan district, his Trump organization was indicted and that's going to court. And Weisselberg is going to testify against the company that pretty much shuts down a company. But the important thing to remember about Letitia, uh, we know that we know that uh, the Manhattan district has been kind of sketchy when it comes to whether they're going to go after Donald Trump. Well, she's making uh, a referral to the Southern District of New York, yes. a criminal referral for Donald Trump, the Trump Organization, and all the people involved. And that's not just going to sit there and 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 nothing happen. Donald Trump's getting hit from all fucking sides, and all we need is one of them to land. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. There's going to be the evidence in that civil case is definitely going to create criminal referral. No doubt. There's no way it couldn't. I mean, he's committing insurance fraud and uh, all types of different, you know, tax fraud. I mean, it's a stack a mile high. There's no way that criminal referrals couldn't come uh, to the Southern District of New York. There's no possible way. Well, that, you know, that that's the thing. When you look at all the things coming against him, whether it be January 6th, whether it be the documents in Mar-a-Lago, whether it be Georgia, whether it be uh, New York with this uh, – Letitia James things, each one of these things have blatant evidence that you'd have to fucking be blind not to see. I mean, hell, in Georgia, you got them on fucking tape committing the crime. I don't know how much more obvious you can be in New York. They've got all these documents that show he did what he did and had been doing it for 30, 40 years. My question is, how did he get, get away with it for 35 years? How did he get away with it? Why didn't anybody say anything? And now they're trying to hit him up on it. This isn't a new fucking strategy for him. This is what he's been doing all along. Well, I can tell you how that happened in the 35 years, Mike. He 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 would he'd he'd do business with people he had shit on. You know, he'd have some dirt on somebody and he'd do business with them. And then he'd bone them, you know, in the business deal. And then he'd say, hey, I'm I'm not paying you. Go fuck yourself. And if you don't like it, I'll expose you for this. That's right. how he gets away with his shit all the time. Right. You know, right. He's done that over and over and over again. You, you know, know what I, you know what I always found funny too is, you know, they always made the connection between him and Epstein. Yes. And he said, well, I don't know Epstein that well. I, I saw him a couple of times, but, but the interesting thing is think about how Epstein made his money. Now he claimed to be an investment advisor or whatever, but that's not true. What, <laughs> what, what, Epstein did was essentially blackmail people, rich people, to get billions of dollars. That's what he did. Sure. If, if you read into read into uh, uh, Epstein with a little depth, you realize not only was Donald Trump a friend of Epstein's, it's been said that he was kind of a mentor to Epstein. And that's probably how Epstein got on that blackmail thing, because that's what Donald Trump has been doing his whole life, holding shit over people's heads and forcing them to bend to his will. Otherwise, they'd be exposed for whatever fucked up shit they've done. So to think that Donald Trump isn't a serial blackmailer is just fucking crazy. Of course he is. Yeah, absolutely. He is. It's it's mind boggling that, like you just said, it's mind boggling how I could go on that long and not be you know exposed. But now everything's coming up. I mean, some stuff came out along the way. Let's face it, you know, with the foreign stars and they silenced them. And I'm sure that there's been a lot of people silenced, you know, in all those years. Oh, absolutely. 
now that he's his the Titanic's hit the iceberg, I think a lot of this shit's gonna start rolling out more of it and more of it and more of it. Well, the, the, there is that court case, that lawsuit that was starting to happen just before the 2016 election. And I don't know if you recall this, but there was a lawsuit against Donald Trump, and he was a co-defendant with Jeffrey Epstein. And, oh, the, yeah. cla- and the claim was that he raped a 13-year-old girl. Well, that was there for a while, then it went away, then it came back, and then it went away again. Do you think the the woman was having second thoughts because she was lying? Or do you think that Donald Trump threatened her, paid her off, or did whatever? I would say threaten her uh, because Donald Trump ain't paying anybody unless he absolutely have to. He, he threatens her. And this is what I've said. The first indictment that comes down, the fucking sky is going to fall on Donald Trump. People are waiting for somebody to be that first one to take a piece out of Donald Trump, and then it's going to be a fucking free-for-all. Absolutely. You know, of course, there's a certain aspect of the people that are going to say it's fake news and it's not true. And they, they he was framed and all this bullshit. They're just never going to believe it. But I'm holding my, you know, holding my breath for the day that he does get indicted. Because once the first one comes, they're all going to, like, they're afraid. Like, nobody wants to be the first person to pull the fire alarm. You know what I mean? Right. And they're, they're afraid. Like, you know, they they don't want to be that guy, I guess. I don't know. They're a little terrified to do it. But once somebody finally pulls the pin, they're going to come flying in with indictments. Oh, absolutely. No question about it. I mean, and th- this is this is uh, classic narcissist. They, they spend their life bullying, having some success, people thinking they're great. They make a lot of money. But then when they start getting questioned, they start to spiral and 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 ultimately they get cornered and all of their tactics no longer work and that's where Donald Trump is now his bullying his bullshitting his his threatening and all that stuff is no longer working it's not working for the republicans in general and now they're just kind of flailing and that's when they're the most dangerous because they don't think they just react and they're going to do some crazy shit but ultimately they kill themselves because they right. can't stop doubling down. They can't admit they're wrong. So they just keep going until they either run away or get crushed. And Donald yeah. Trump's got no place to run, so he's going to get crushed. Yeah, look at Roger Stone. The fucking guy's unhinged. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And he's, he's never going to quit until they throw him in jail. He's never going to quit. And if you look at, like, just take Trump out of it for a minute. Just look at Trump, the Trump uh, administration in general. There's like 215 indictments out there. Now, granted, uh, some of those indictments are multiple counts on different people, like Roger Stone had seven counts or whatever. But 215 indictments, that's a lot. Yeah, especially when Obama had zero. Zero. That's crazy. That's a crazy amount of indictments. And that just goes to show you how corrupt it really is. And and the the number of indictments that are going to hit Donald Trump He's going to, you know, if he gets hit on just a few of them, he's going to spend the rest of his life in prison, hopefully. You know what I picture Donald Trump doing when it finally all comes down on top of his head? Do you remember Jim and Tammy Baker? Yes. Okay. And you remember when they had their downfall? They were exposed for being thieves and embezzlers and grifters and all that. Remember they got caught, right? Yes, I remember that. Well, you remember. I don't know if you remember this part of the story when the police or the FBI came in to get him, 
Jim Baker, this tough guy, uh, uh, evangel- evangelist. Yeah. You know where they found him? They found him curled up in a fetal position under his desk hiding. That's what I pictured Donald Trump doing because, you know, a narcissist, when he's got no way out, then he becomes the victim looking for sympathy. And right. unfortunately, he's not going to find that sympathy. There are people that will always believe him. And people say that like, well, it's going to be tough to fight against. It's not that many people. It's maybe 25 percent of the country that still follow him. That's not right. enough to win elections. It's not enough to win elections, but it's enough to cost Republicans elections against the Democrats. So they're they're just fucked. And Donald Trump is going to be a crying little whining bitch. And uh, I say no sympathy for anything. No, absolutely not. And like I mentioned earlier in the program, there's no changing the cult, the Trump cult people. There's no changing them. Nothing that can can be said or done will ever change their minds. Because they're programmed that way. Absolutely. They're never going to quit. And and it is favorable for, particularly now, it's favorable for the Democrats because the Republican Party is divided. So they're, they're going to be weak in elections. Right, exactly. Exactly. So that, this, is, this is like the turning point. I mean, once, once Donald Trump is indicted, it's, it's, that's going to be like victory day. Absolutely. I mean, that, that, that's the way I view it because... That indict those indictments coming down on them are going to solidify what we've been saying all along, and, and it's all- and it's going to give us some more um, hope and yeah. uh, and belief in our governmental system, which which like I said before, remember they didn't vote for Hillary because she was establishment uh, government. If there's anything in this country that anybody that needs hope, it's our U.S. government, it's our Supreme Court. There needs to be some hope and trust and confidence in these governments if they hope to continue doing anything. And indicting Donald Trump will be the first step to actually getting some of that trust back. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. He's he's uh, he's as as he once said about somebody else, he's going to be going through some things. And he's not yep. going to like it because he's never had to pay a price for anything, anything in his life. And now right. it's all coming home to roost. Yeah. And then he's throwing out veiled threats. You know, if he were to be indicted, there's going to be big, big problems. We know what that is. It's the same shit he did with January 6th. It's a veiled threat. It is a veiled threat, but I don't believe it's going to happen. No, I agree. I don't. After what? After, you know, People woke up a little bit when they saw the indictment from January 6th, the insurrection. Some of them woke up a little bit. Yeah, they did. And here's no. the thing. Here's the thing is, is um, if a group of people, these dumb fucks, decided to attack the Capitol or an FBI building or whatever, do you think they're going to get the same response they did when they did it on January 6th and Donald Trump was holding everybody back? Fuck no, well, they're they're going to be met with the full force of the National Guard, the police departments, even the military. These people know they don't have an easy win, and bullies don't go into anything that's not an easy win. If there's any question, they don't do it. And I don't honestly think that there are going to be large groups of Trumplefucks attacking shit because they know they're going to all end up like fucking Ashley Babbitt. Oh, absolutely. They'll leave in handcuffs or body bags. There's yeah. There's... 
They're not going to try. There'll be a couple crazy people that do some things. I bet. I, yeah, I'm willing yeah. to bet. There'll be a you know an isolated incident like that asshole in Cincinnati that you know tried to attack the FBI. I mean, you'd have to really be a dumb fuck to do something like that. But yeah. they're out there. Let's face it. I mean, they're out there. But you know, I think that the uh, the, the the white supremacist groups and the Oath Keepers and you know the Proud Boys and all these assholes. I think they they're getting the message, right? Yeah, they're I getting think so. Because their leaders are being indicted. You know, so yeah. I think I don't think they're gonna. I think they're gonna be pretty silent. You know, they can run around with Doug Mastriano and and all these other people. They can run around with them and and say their crazy shit or whatever. But I think they're getting the message that. You know, when their leaders are being indicted and they're snitching on uh, the politicians they were involved with, that's a big fucking deal. Well, you know, um, people will get on me for saying this, and uh, it's because I'm not a liberal per se. Um, but had that capital thing happened and had the National Guard been there in full force and these guys kept charging you take down the first couple of rows, those fuckers are running, and they'll never think about doing it again. I hate to see a situation where anybody's injured or killed, but if they're trying to overthrow our government and killing our police officers, you know, you fuck around and you find out. And had they found out, uh, we not even we wouldn't even be discussing this right now. And, and why is it that – I have a question. Why is it that Charlie Flynn was not held culpable – for taking action. I mean, he should be disciplined, I think. I mean, did, he's the one that held up the National Guard. Absolutely. And he was doing it on the direction of Donald Trump. Uh, so maybe something with Charlie Flynn, who is Michael Flynn's brother, who was at the at the, uh, uh, at the the Pentagon. People always want to say it's Pelosi's fault for the National Guard not coming. No, the, the, the National Guard is directed by the Pentagon, and that happened to be Charlie Flynn. He's the one that held them back, and he should be accountable. I can only hope that as we get deeper into this DOJ investigation that he will be questioned, investigated, and ultimately prosecuted because yeah. he's as bad as all of them. I mean, that's that's the one thing about this insurrection thing. And it reminds me of uh, people always say, we got to get Trump. We got to get Trump. Do you know how many fucking people are going to get indicted? There's <laughs> going to be dozens of people indicted. You know, you remember Richard Nixon when he had Watergate. He didn't go to jail, but a fuckload of other people did. And this is a hundred times worse. There are people like Mark Meadows. Well, maybe not Mark Meadows, because I think he's... Uh, given up he's throwing donald under the bus but some of these people close to him are gonna fucking go down there's just no two ways about it oh yeah look look how remember that interview not too long ago with jim jordan he was getting asked some questions and he looked like a deer in the headlights absolutely he couldn't, he couldn't even answer any any questions he he was bumbling and mumbling and he couldn't even he couldn't even answer a, a, a direct question he's freaking terrified because he knows he's he's guilty. He was involved. And it's all coming out. Yeah, and it may be coming out in the next January 6th hearing. Like I said, they're at that point. I mean, who was I talking to yesterday? Kevin. I was talking Kevin. to Kevin. And I said, before these hearings started, I said, this is going to be an ex, uh, uh, epic miniseries that people are going to want to watch because it's 
it's got all the the spilt tea, if you will, and it's 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 pretty pretty uh, blatant crimes committed, and people are going to watch this. Well, sure. what is what what is a uh, what is a epic uh, series mini series without a fucking unbelievable finale? And that's right. what's, that's what's coming, and that's when the names will come out, and that's when when the pieces will be put together and fucking lives will be destroyed justifiably so right no doubt and and definitely someone's going to capitalize on that i mean it, the story it's almost like a tv fictional story you know but it's reality it's real life like these people really conspired to do this to destroy you know the democracy of our country and they're going to be held accountable Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and you know what else is going to be interesting in about five, six years, there's going to be one fuck of a movie. It's going to be a crazy ass movie. Right. That's why, that's what I meant by the, they're going to capitalize on that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. There's going to be, somebody's going to make a hell of a movie about it. Right. And, and, you know, I'm just hoping they, they, they take a, a, a sub angle where they have a, sub story about the rational boomers trying to do their best to fucking fight these idiots. It'd be kind of a, uh, we, we could be the protagonist or whatever the fuck it is, but yeah. you know, and, and that's where the Republicans are going to pay the price for this is in history. Cause none of these people, whether they get out of it now or they get indicted now, isn't as important as 20 years from now when the Gen Z's are looking back on. Wow. Those Republicans were pretty fucked up. They may never recover from what they've really? done to that that party. And guess what? In in all the history, when they teach history in schools, Benedict Arnold's no longer going to be a thing. Oh no! Fuck no! He didn't he, do shit. He, no, he did nothing in comparison to the crimes committed against this country. Benedict Arnold is a shoplifter. Right. Exactly. I mean, let's face it. Let's face it. And and. This is going to be the most like prolific thing in history. I mean, really. Well, and if Donald Trump did what he did back when Benedict Arnold was around, they would have just shot the motherfucker. They would have <laughs> put him up in a fire squad and shot the son bitch. Right. It, it, it's 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 unbelievable. Well, I I I, I, t- I tell you what, TJ, we were running late, which we always do, and I'm fine with that. Um, but I, I, I want to thank you for coming on. It, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. I knew this would be entertaining. So I'm glad you took the time out of your day, out of your Friday. There's yeah. probably, there's probably a plug toilet someplace that's not getting attended to. So I appreciate you making us the priority here on, on, on the Rational Boomer podcast. Absolutely. Can I have one closing thought real quick though? Take as much time as you want. I, All right. Great. Like I, I say, it's my show. We'll go as long as I fucking want. <laughs> Yeah, I just wanted to say, you know, something to the listeners and, you know, the Rational Boomer podcast is a great program. You know, we all really enjoy it. I I know that I do, but I wanted to close real quick with a serious message. Okay. You know, the November 8th election is very important. It could change the face of democracy as we all know it. So my ask to all of you is to get out there and talk to your family, talk to your friends your neighbors and your co-workers and as hard as it is, the people at your church and get out there and tell them we got to get out and vote. 
and we've got to vote blue. Yeah, and, and, and you Gen Xers that have Gen Zs that are 18 years old, grab those registered. fuckers by the ear and make them vote. Yeah, get them, get them registered. We got to get out there. And th- there's a lot of naysayers out there. You know, they say, oh, or they're lazy, and they say, oh, my vote doesn't matter. It matters. It matters from your township supervisors to your city councils, your school boards, your state legislators, all the way up to the House and the Senate. I, honestly, even the down ballot's probably more important than than the you know federal. Honestly, no, I agree. Look uh, at I, the. the Look at the damage that's been created by these crazy Trumplefucks. I mean, we got to get out there and block these motherfuckers. We got to yeah. stop them. So that's my that's my closing thought. Well, I um, appreciate that, and I agree with you 100. percent And if you want a perfect illustration of it, all you have to do is look at the 2020 presidential election. 81 yeah. million people voted for Joe Biden, not because he's the absolute best candidate, but because they were afraid of what the alternative might be. And unfortunately, that alternative hasn't gone away yet. So we should all still have the same amount of motivation and concern about what the future of this country is if we don't vote in 2022. Yeah, we have to be steadfast. We can't we can't throttle back now. That'd be a big mistake. We got to come in as strong as we did in 2020 and and get control of this fucking shit show. You know, now that we're just talking and I do got to I do have to wrap it up here in a minute. We were talking in between in the break and I wanted to bring this up because I know you wanted to say something about it. I mentioned the the conversation on the podcast I had with Brian Wallenberg, the Trumplefuck. And yes. uh, well, what's interesting, if you look at the uh, figures on all the podcasts I've ever done, the podcast I did with Brian is far and away the most listened to podcast I've done, which part of me kind of finds it a little disturbing, but I get it. I get it. Um, and, and I, I hope, I hope people like yourself and other listeners got, got what I really intended to get out of it as opposed to just, uh, you know, a sparring match. Oh, I'm sure that we all did. I mean, that 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 was an incredible podcast, and it it dove into the minds of these people, and it kind of exposed how they think. Like even when presented with facts, they don't believe it, and that it, it you you got right into his mind and showed everybody, you know, his way of thinking and the malign things that are in there. Like it's incredible, and that's why probably that it follows that trend that people were like so impressed by that. Well, what I what I was happy about it, it didn't turn into a shit show because that's typically what happens with with the Trumplefuck. They get go yeah. get on hands. They're yelling and they're screaming and you can't get a word in edgewise. And, right. And, and I, I told him ahead of time, I said, if you think you can do that, I'm not your typical liberal. I can talk louder and longer than you fucking can. So if you <laughs> want to go down that route, I'll kick your ass that way, too. Uh, he didn't like that too much, but I give him credit. He should have known better. He wasn't going to come out of this looking good. And you know the funny thing is, TJ, before yeah. we before we did it, he says, "Well, if I'm going to come on your show, you got to come on my show." I said, "Let's do my show be- and then decide if you want me to come on your show." And guess he didn't what? Invite he didn't I, invite I, I haven't <laughs> been invited. I haven't been invited. I figured as much. <laughs> he, he doesn't want Mike. He doesn't want round two. No, I don't think he does. I don't think any of them would. You know, if given the chance to sit down and talk 
logic and common sense with any Trump fuck, and it doesn't have to be me. It could be anybody. If you could have just a decent conversation where somebody gives facts and you get a response and vice versa, there's no way anybody can win against anybody with a reasonable mind. It just it just can't be. But they just take that tack where they talk louder and longer and they talk over you. I, I mean, I see the fucking media people do from from uh, uh, Ben Shapiro to fucking Tucker Carlson. They just keep yapping. They know they're getting their ass kicked. So they just keep talking to drown you out. And and the key is to not let them do that. And And unfortunately, the left side media is horrible at doing that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Well, well. TJ, again, I appreciate you coming by. Uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to listeners. This has been a great time. I knew it would be. So thank you for spending the time with us. Yeah, thanks, Mike. I, I really had a great time. If you want to have me back, I'd, I'd really love it. That'd be great. Anytime. I, I've got right. an open invitation to any listener, especially those who've already been on. Uh, uh, anytime, just send me an email. Say, you know, I feel like being on. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'd I'll, love to. I'll work. A, I'll work an easier shift. I'm good with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to. I had a really good time, Mike. All right. Well, thank you very much, folks listening. I hope you have a great day, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.